Hi everyone, it's Julia here on a totally different reality and um, today I have a guest who is a genius with kids and we're going to be talking about out manipulating your children um, and Christine De Domenico, am I pronouncing that right Christine? You are. De, De, De Domenico um, is a, um, she's a teacher and she's a native New Yorker and she has kids. So I'm really, really looking forward to this topic. And I really hope my mother never listens to this. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome, Christine. Thanks, Julia. It's great to be here. So um, can you start by telling us a little bit about your background? Sure. Um, I've been a physical education teacher for 32 years in the public schools in New York State. And I have three children who are adults now. And I have two grandchildren. And um, I've been manipulated very much over the course of my life, <laughs> uh, especially having my own children and as a teacher. Um, and so I speak from a lot of experience with being manipulated. And right. it's really kind of fun to when you learn how you can out-manipulate children. Um, I've done a lot of work with kids outside of school in a tutoring setting and also um, using the tools of access consciousness with empowering kids to know that they know and empowering them to make choices that work for them. Uh, hmm. And I'm also an access consciousness facilitator. You are. So I, have, and, I wear and a, a brilliant one. A brilliant <laughs> one you. at that. Um, I was telling Christine before the show that I was hanging out with um, our friends Brett and Georgia in Houston here. And um, Brett was like, I did my first foundation in level one with Christine, and she is so empowering. I don't even know if she knows how amazing he, she is. And he was just going <laughs> on and on in the car about you, and I was like, oh, awesome. This is going to be good. <laughs> so, what, what grades, what grades um, do you teach mostly? I, right now I teach middle school. I've been teaching middle school for most of my career. Um, I have That's a tough, those are tough ages. Yeah, it's uh, fifth grade through eighth grade. So that's what most people say. And um, uh, most teachers say you have to be as crazy as the, the kids to be a middle school right. teacher. And you are, <laughs> so that's good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, because those were like the hardest years for me. It was just like, ugh. It was just so uncomfortable in my own skin at that time. So that's pretty cool that you're there to empower them. They're lucky. Yeah, so, I, I, I feel the same way. Uh, I remember my middle school years, and they they were not fun, that's for sure. Yeah, it was awkward times. Yeah. Um, so what, like, maybe we can go in sort of terms of tips and tools. What would you say a first tip is on how to out-manipulate your children? Well, I think the first tip is to recognize when you're being manipulated. Right. And um, I think for me, that was uh, something that took me a long time. And I, as I look back now, I realized that other people knew that I was being manipulated, um, yet I wasn't willing to see it. 
So I wonder how many points of view that we have about our children that keep us from actually recognizing when we're being manipulated. Oh, okay. Like they're angels? <laughs> exactly. Like they're angels, like they can't do anything wrong. Or for me, it was my youngest was my master manipulator. And um, when he turned around three, all of a sudden he started becoming afraid of dogs. And he loved dogs. And even when he became afraid of dogs, he still loved dogs. And I never could understand what it was that created that fear of dogs all of a sudden. But I was totally controlled by it, by his fear of dogs. And um, um, I realized that when my granddaughter was maybe about three or four, she, she was very used to our dog. And then her other grandmother got a dog who was a puppy and jumped a lot and everything. And um, all of a sudden, she became afraid of our dog. And I was like, what is this? I said, um, you've never been afraid of our dog. And, and I said, are you manipulating your mother? And <laughs> she just looked at me. And then I said, I looked at my son who was in the room, and I said, is that what you were doing with me? And at this point, he you know, was 20 years old, and he just gave me the biggest smile. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's, it's crazy. But um, so, so I think for me it was, he had some difficulties in school, and um, and I was had the point of view that oh he was having a difficult time and he's going to have a hard time in life. He was diagnosed with ADD, and and so I came up with all these reasons and justifications why I should be giving him a break or why he is doing the things he's doing, and and because I was in that tunnel of my decisions and judgments, I really could not see clearly at all. I couldn't see that he was manipulating me. Right, totally. So well, if if we're willing... Go ahead. I was just going to ask if you have a clearing for something like that to sort of start seeing through the fog, because I think that mm-hmm. parents have so many projections on their children and expectations and just basic unawareness because they'll have to judge themselves as parents if they, you know, they don't even want to look at their children in case that they do judge them because they don't want to have to judge themselves as parents. Yeah, cool. So why don't we start with that? All the projections, expectations, separations, projections, and judgments you have of your children, they have a view. You have of um, parenting. You have of you as a parent or of them as a child. Will you just try and create all of those kinds of godzillions? Totally. Right, wrong, good, bad, all nine, pod, pock, shorts, boys, and beyonds. And what if, as a parent, you don't really have to, to have the right answer? Uh, that was one of the things that I really lied to myself about. Um, when I started having my kids, I thought, okay, here I am. I'm the parent. I need to know what's best for my kids. I need to have the answers. I need to control the situation. Totally. I need to control my kids. I mean, I had 
um, a friend who was kind of my guide, I guess, as, as parenting, because she was the first of my friends that had children. And so I kind of watched her, and she was very controlling, and I thought, okay, that's the way I'm supposed to parent. And so, mm-hmm. so that's what I became, a controlling parent. So everywhere you decided that you have to have all the right answers, you have to um, do everything right and not do anything wrong and not make any mistakes, will you destroy and uncreate it times a godzillion? Totally. Right, wrong, good, bad, all nine, pud, puck, shorts, boys, and beyond. And the cool thing is that using the tools of access consciousness, you, you, you don't have to have any answers. You don't have to know what's right and what if there isn't anything right anyway. All you really need is to ask a question in, in every situation. Ask, what, what is required here? What does my, requi- my child require? Right. So, um, like for you, what was the hardest what was the hardest part about getting from the place to like being willing to manipulate, like from not being willing to manipulate to being willing to manipulate? Like, was it actually like realizing when you were being manipulated? I I think that was one of the things, realizing that I was being manipulated and not making it right or wrong that I was being manipulated. Okay. That right. Yeah, so just look at it as what if manipulation is just a tool and, and look at at yourself and the places that, that you manipulate to create um, the life that you'd like to have. And, right. and what if manipulation is actually not a bad thing? What if it actually contributes to you and contributes to the other person? Yeah, because well, you know... In the advanced manipulation call, there was a lady talking about how every week she had four pieces of furniture in her room as a as a girl, and every week, no matter what, she would rearrange her furniture into a different order. And Gary's like, that's exactly what manipulation is. It's just moving things around, manipulating the situation so that things are going to work better. And I was like, oh, like there is nothing fundamentally wrong with manipulation. And when you lose your judgment of it, it's actually an incredible tool to create more for everybody involved. It's not like this, this, you know, crass idea of like demeaning somebody in order to get what you want. It's like everybody wins most of the time. Yeah. And we've, we've given it a bad rap in that it's, it's a bad thing. It's the wrong thing. And you're hurting someone. So, yeah. Uh, what you said is really cool. Yeah. Do you have yeah. a clearing for that? Let's do a clearing on that. Um, so everywhere you've decided that, well, let's do this one. All the, the stability points and connection points you have with uh, manipulation and manipulation being wrong, or bad, or uh, in some way you're controlling someone when you're manipulating, will you destroy and create that fun schedule? Yes. Great, wrong, good, bad, all nine, put, puck, shorts, boys, and beyond. 
and all the autoresponder systems you have to never being the master manipulator you truly be, will you destroy and uncreate that times God's billion? Yes. yes. Right, wrong, good, bad, all night, putt, pot, shorts, boys, and beyonds. And what energy, space, and consciousness can you be that it will allow you to be the master manipulator you truly be with total ease? And anything that wouldn't allow that, we destroy and uncreate it times a godzillion. Yes. Right, wrong, good, bad, all night, putt, pot, shorts, boys, and beyonds. Hmm, very cool. Yeah, so, we um, don't... Go ahead. And if we don't make it wrong, then how can we use it to our advantage and to others' advantage? Well, that's exactly the thing. It's like, it's really, like, most of the time when actual manipulation is going on, we wouldn't even look at it and say, oh, that's manipulation. It's only when somebody is doing something bad to someone, we would say, oh, that's manipulation. But it's really just about changing things to create more. Yeah, so anything that wouldn't allow us to use manipulation to create the change that we truly desire, we just try and create that. Yes. Right, wrong, good, bad, all nine, pot, pot, shorts, boys, and beyond. Oh, that's a good one. That sent my head spinning a little bit. (laughs) Cool, we like that. (laughs) Yeah. So I I wanted to ask you, I was thinking about this this afternoon, um, thinking about how stability points relate to parenting and the idea of what it means to have a family like a family equals stability and so like what is your idea of what family is and how did you clear your stability points or like maybe it's an ongoing process but well I think that in this reality you're absolutely correct that that family is all about stability and how much does that really give us choice when we're functioning from that stability of the family and, and like how many rules and regulations the families have and and expectations of of what their children should do or be. I mean, I see this all the time with kids and I think this is part of where their manipulation comes from is there's all these stability points put in place about um, what they should be or do. So, um, and it depends on the community or the culture that you live in also. And what I see is that parents make a lot of decisions about what their kids' lives should look like. And in the district that I work in, it's, um, the expectation is that the kids should be involved in many, many different activities and that they should all go to college and, you know, Harvard and Princeton are really top on the list and, um, and you know, soccer is really big. You should probably play soccer at some point. And Do you live in you- Westchester County? Yes, I work in Westchester County. Yeah. Okay, I'm like, it sounds like she's describing Westchester County. And yes, I knew you were in New York. <laughs> you got it. Exactly. Okay. And so, the, the, you know, I see that kids don't necessarily have choices. Um, I'm coaching cross-country right now, and some of the kids come 
because their parents have pushed them to be part of some team. And they don't really want to be out there running. And so I, I see the manipulation that they use to get out of running or to not come that day or they have a pain or an ache and there's was something wrong with them. Um, and it was funny because I, one of the reasons I chose this topic to talk with you about was because a couple of kids um, I was talking to, this started coming up, how they were manipulating. And I was walking with one of the special needs children that's on the cross-country team, and she was explaining to me exactly how she manipulates people. And um, she gives the puppy dog face um, when she wants something. Um, And she's got this whole plan of manipulation. And she does not want to be there. She, this is not her choice at all. She, she does not want to be there. So she uses all her little tools of manipulation to change things um, for, her, for herself. And it's, it's really very funny. That's actually um, really neat that she was willing to admit all that to you. She was absolutely willing to admit it. And, and what I get about um, kids is, and this, this is also another tool for manipulating your kids, is when you're in allowance of them, when you don't have any judgment of what they're saying, they they perceive that, and they will give you all kinds of information. <laughs> <laughs> so you can do that with your own kids, you know. If you're you're just not going to judge anything they say or do and not make it wrong, even if it, it turns out crazy and not great for them. And if you don't judge it, then you're going to get a lot more information out of them. Right. Yeah. My my mom really did that the right way because she doesn't judge me at all. And she probably gets more information than she ever could ever want. She's like, hey, enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's really funny. So to go back to about the stability point is that, um, you know, what if we actually functioned, like eliminated our stability points of what we think that a family should look like or a kid should look like and what they should do and actually allow them to have choices in, in what, they, what their day looks like, you know, especially after school um, because that's the time when they, they can possibly have choices. And, and what if that, then they don't have to actually choose all that manipulation of you. Right. Right. They they can be kind of manipulating the outside world and creating more for themselves rather than if the parent has all the control, the only thing that they can manipulate is the parent. Yes. Yes, and they they will do it in all kinds of different ways. They will find reasons and justifications not to do the things that you want them to do. And even to the point of, um, of get, having injuries and illnesses to get out of doing things they don't want to do. Totally. Yeah. Um, I was um, reading an article the other day about uh, a friend of my sister's. Um, you actually might know she's an access consciousness 
sort of does access consciousness um, in Manhattan, um, Deborah Rappaport. And uh, she was talking about how when she was younger, her mom was like in the, like Deborah's seven or 70, I think. So I, I think this was in like the 40s. Her mom was a strict vegetarian. She totally believed in like an organic vegetarian diet. And that was completely, completely unheard of at that time. So Deborah and her, her sister never, ever got sick growing up ever because they um, just, that's what they believed in and it worked and they didn't, they didn't get sick. So Deborah's mom would actually take the kids at a school um like once a month or whenever there was like a track and or no there was whenever there was a health fair they would always have these health fairs and she would let the girls go do whatever they wanted to do that day it was like their sick day because they never got sick and I was like oh that's such a brilliant manipulation like what a great way to what a great way to like and and now Deborah you know just totally enjoys cooking and eating and food is this wonderful thing for her and and it was really neat so that was a cool that's really cool yeah yeah Yeah, if we're you know if we're willing to look outside the box and not follow what everyone else does and and really be in the question of what would create the most for for your own family, then things can show up in a totally different way and and with such greater ease than when we're trying to control everything or stay within the stability point. Yeah, staying stable, keeping a good, stable family. Yeah. Ooh, I think that's calling for a clearing, Christine. (laughs) (laughs) So all the stability points you have of keeping your family stable and in line with this reality, we destroy and create it times a godzillion. Yes. Right, wrong, good, bad, all nine, pot, talk, shorts, boys, beyond. And every, all the connection points we have, everywhere we've decided that, um, all that togetherness and that time together and all that energy around connecting with family, will you destroy and create at times a godzillion? Yep. Right, wrong, good, bad, all nine, pod, pod, shorts, boys, and beyond. Hmm. Yeah. I have, Sometimes. An, I have another good uh, autoresponder clearing. Oh, please. Uh, what autoresponder systems are you using to stay one step behind your child you are choosing? Oh, my God. That's <laughs> really right. relevant. Yeah, right, wrong, good, bad, all night, but back, shorts, boys, and beyond. Can you explain that? <laughs> well, how much do we put... You know, we're, we're, if we, okay, so if you look at that kids are infinite beings, that we're all infinite beings, if we don't actually acknowledge that our kids are infinite beings, they're going to be so far ahead of us, and we're going to be following behind them, thinking that we're actually ahead of them. 
So everywhere we do that, we destroy and uncreate it times a godzillion. Yes. Right, wrong, yep. good, bad, all nine, putt, puck, shorts, boys, and beyond. I, I got to be honest, that was clear as mud to me. <laughs> <laughs> the clearing was mud to you? Everything. No, what you <laughs> explained <laughs> before. Okay. I was so, like, huh? <laughs> uh-huh. It must bring well, up a lot. See, <laughs> what I found was that with my point of view about my son having this issue with ADD and, um, you know, problems in school, and he he was just, like, so far ahead of me because I kept thinking there was something wrong with him when his he had such an amazing awareness and does have such an amazing awareness that he was aware of, of all these things that he could create in a different way than you would in this reality think, you know, that's going to work. So he was going so much faster. Like, I'll give you an example. I mean, he in high school had, you know, all these issues with going to class, getting his work done, you know, not wanting to do homework, And he created so much trauma and drama during his senior year that the school, you know, felt sorry for, so sorry for him with what he was going through that they changed the rules for him. (laughs) And he ended up graduating. Like, I I was not really sure he was going to graduate. But he manipulated the situation in such a way that he graduated, he got through, he did what he needed to do, which was not what he would have needed to do if he didn't go through all this trauma and drama. So you could, most people would look at that year as, oh my gosh, that was terrible, that was awful, that he went through all of that, yet he created and manipulated the situation exactly the way he wanted it to turn out. So I was one step behind him as he was going through all his trauma and drama. Right. Because so, he was willing to do whatever. Yeah, like, like he was willing to do whatever it took, even if it kind of looked like a wrongness and you were kind of try, thinking you had to help him and control things. Yeah, yeah, and and luckily by that time I had the tools of access, so I was kind of seeing what was going on with him, and and I was using the tools for myself, which helped a whole lot in yeah. creating more ease for myself too. So right. so we might look at something that they're choosing not to be the right or the good or the easy thing yet it's creating exactly what they want to create in the end. Okay. Okay. Okay, I just got that. I think that I'm doing this a lot. (laughs) (laughs) So would you like to destroy and uncreate that? Yes, I would. Right, wrong, good, bad, all nine, putt, puck, shorts, boys, and beyond. And what would it take for you to 
manipulate the situation and have whatever you'd like to create created with totally. Totally. Anything that wouldn't allow that, we just try not create it. Yes. Right, wrong, good, bad, all nine puck puck shorts, boys, beyond. Yes, yeah. I think that I'm very good at manipulating most situations, but I kind of turn into a little puddle in, with my parents. I'm mm. terrible at manipulating them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, interesting. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so what mm-hmm. else have you learned working in the public school system for this long? What else do you know? Well, one one of the things that I I chosen to do using these tools is because I used to really be a controlling parent and a controlling teacher. And that just did not work. I thought it worked. No. And I thought that's what I was supposed to be. And what I learned many years ago, and this was before I did Access, was that I I don't have to control the situation. There was one specific boy that I remember who, you know, I would be teaching my class, I'd be giving them instructions, and they they all needed to sit on the gym floor. And if they weren't listening to me, then there was something wrong. There was a problem in my mind. Why aren't you listening to me? You need to sit down. And then I, I don't remember exactly what made me realize this, but one day I realized, why does he have to sit on the floor? He's standing behind everyone that's sitting. He's not disturbing anyone. He's, you know, moving around a little bit, but it's not bothering anyone. So why do I need to make him sit down? And that changed so much for me. That and then I started letting go of more and more control. And so how much do we as parents... Um, feel like we have to control the situation and we're making it more difficult for ourselves. And by letting go of control and, like I said before, giving them choices or just not having to have things be a certain way because that's the way it was for me. I needed to have things a certain way or, or it was supposed, this is what I learned in school so, and this is the way it's supposed to go. And, and it just creates stress and overwhelm. How did so, he respond to not having that rule of having to sit down? Excuse me? How did he respond to the rule of not having to sit down anymore? Was he, did he behave he, differently? He did. He, it was, there was no longer the struggle because there was this, like, two solid rocks going against each other and when I let go of that need for that rule to be followed, there was nothing for him to to um, fight against. And and all of the, the behaviors that I was making a problem actually changed. Hmm. Cool. I, uh, because really what happened there, if we're looking at it from an energetic perspective, is that you created space. That's all you did is you you just gave him space to choose whatever he wanted to choose. So everything just got easier. That's so true. And that, that's huge, creating that space. 
And that's what you do when you're in that space of allowance, when you're not judging. There, there, you, it just allows a lot of the problems to disappear because you're not making them problems anymore with, right. when you get rid of the judgment. Right. So what, it, what are some of the things that your parents um, did that worked and some of the things that your parents did that did not work in terms of manipulation? <laughs> wow. <laughs> hmm, what worked and what didn't work? Well, I think what, what did work... <laughs> Oh, boy. I'm thinking back to middle school and the things that I pulled in middle school. Um, the things that did work for, um, for me were some trauma and drama and crying and tears as manipulation. And, right. you know, I mean, that's a great manipulation for kids. My granddaughter, who's five, she uses that one really well. <laughs> that is a good manipulation. You really can't <laughs> argue with that. <laughs> and you know she she won't get what she wants, and she's she is so dramatic, and the tears come out, and it's really a good show. And as soon <laughs> as she got gets what she wants, the tears is like a faucet just turning them off. And so that's <laughs> that's one way to to get that you're being manipulated when something changes that fast, you've probably been manipulated. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> so you know, and, and not making that wrong, that child wrong for that, it's just like, oh, that's interesting. She's manipulating. And, and then you can choose to allow the manipulation continue because maybe it works for you, for them to manipulate you. Right. And maybe it doesn't. So just, you know, noticing it. So I think that, that um, for me as a kid, I, I did use that. And I, I'm from a really big family. So um, you did really have to use manipulation to get things to go your way quite often. Right. Hmm. How many so people are in worked. your family? I'm one of seven. Holy shizer, that's a lot of kids. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So so what were some of the things that uh didn't work so well that your parents like like as like looking at your parents, what were some of the things that you're like that you know that you did better than they did? Uh I would say giving my kids more space for choice um, and you know I, I have to say that I didn't buy into this my kids have to do all these things and um, and I, I was more in the question of what they would like to choose um, and I think when I was growing up, there was a lot more control, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot more, this is the way you're supposed to behave. Uh, like, for instance, um, 
you know, when you go to some family event, you have to kiss everybody hello and goodbye, which I absolutely hated. Ew, that could become really disgusting. <laughs> yeah, I, I did not like that at all. And so for my kids, I gave them more of a choice. And, you know, I would say, you know, it might be to your advantage to say hello and say goodbye to your relatives, you know, if you want get something that's you know a way that you can manipulate people too is is uh you know giving them what they require so giving the adults what they require even if it's something that you don't feel as a kid you want to do will it be to your advantage maybe they'll give you some money if you um say hello like for my I used to go and see my grandparents when I was at the age where I could drive, and I would go drive the hour to go visit them, you know, pretty often. And, um, you know, they had a lot of grandchildren, and apparently I was the only one that, that uh, did that or made that effort to do, to do that. And when my grandmother died, she, out of 29 grandchildren, she left me money. So Nice. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I wasn't consciously doing that to get money, but, you know, sometimes doing things that you may not want to do may work out to your advantage. Right. And it is a kindness. A it's a kindness going both ways. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. Oh, that's really neat. So I want to talk a little bit more about manipulation as a kindness because it's just so not considered that in this reality and I mean I've seen it done as an incredible unkindness and I've seen it done um, as a real kindness like just watching even watching Brett and George's relationship the last few days hanging out with them I'm like she is so good at manipulating him and and he just does it and and they work (laughs) so well together it's just this awesome thing and everybody gets what they need um so as a as a teacher, how did you manipulate some of your, well, all of your students and your kids too? Yeah. Um, well, I think that um, one of the things that I do as a manipulation is to engage them in in taking leadership roles um, to make them important. Uh, to make cool. them feel good, you know. So, and, so what does that look like? So, um, you know, if there, say there's a kid that has a lot of energy and that energy could be very disruptive, um, I'll ask that kid to, to help me out with some equipment or set something up or clean something up. Or, and it depends on the age because the fifth graders, you know, want to help you clean up and do those things, where an eighth grader, they want to do something more like be a coach or be a leader for their team. So I I use that to my advantage because it's taking off some of the responsibility of doing that actual work. So it helps me, and at the same time, it's manipulating them and helping them at the same time. Um, by giving them something that's going to empower them. So I guess I use manipulation 
in an empowering way with kids. Right. Yeah, that's how I've seen it done well from people who do access. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. it always makes both people more. It, it gets you what you're looking for, and it does so in a way that allows the person that you're manipulating to sort of step up to the plate. So that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the other things I do, and I kind of play with this, it's fun, is uh, I use the energy poles with kids. So if they're, um, you know, at the beginning of class maybe, they're all running around, we're just waiting for everybody to get there, maybe they're doing some things to get ready for whatever activity we're going to do, and now I want their attention to, to bring them together. So I'll start just pulling energy through them and through me and just massively pull, pull, pull energy. And I just have so much fun with it because I watch which kids turn around first to look because <laughs> they sense that energy. And I have to tell you, always the kids that have some kind of a label that turn around first. Really, hey? That's neat. Yeah. That's they, really, really interesting. Isn't that? And, you know, they're, they're super aware. You know, we, we give them these labels. And um, in my point of view, they're super aware and highly aware and they pick up that energy right away. Right. And they, so they turn around, and then other kids start turning around, and then they start walking over, and then they, other kids perceive their energy, and then they all come together, and I haven't even said a word. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. DiDomenico is a witch. <laughs> <laughs> that is yeah. so cool. That is really, really neat that you do that. Sometimes I'll play with it too, where I will say, "Okay, pick a number." Um, I think I was had some kind of lunch duty or something where I had to give out library passes, but there was only a limited number. So I said, "Okay, we're going to pick a number from one to ten. If you get the number, you get the pass." And so I would say to them, "Okay, you have to read my mind. You have to read my mind." And I, you know, have have the number in my head, and again, it would always be those kids that had some kind of label that were the first ones to pick the numbers. Um, wow. So that, that was fun to do, too. That is super, yeah. super cool. <laughs> yeah. So when, when the kids are assessed and they get these labels and stuff, do you find that it, it hurts? them to have that label? Do they know about that label? Do they use it as an excuse? I guess every kid is different, but um, does it give them more excuses to use manipulation? Or Oh, I, I think it does, yeah. I think it definitely gives them more excuses to use manipulation, and I think that's why this topic really came up for me recently was that little girl who was telling me about how she manipulates um, with her little puppy dog face. And then another boy was telling me how he came to camp at our school and they were playing dodgeball. And he said, but I don't get out when you play dodgeball. Um, I said, why don't you get out? And he said, because they know what's going to happen if I get out. 
And I said, what's going to happen? He said, I'm going to flip out and I'm going to cry and I'm going to run out of the gym and nobody wants that. And I looked looked at him and I said, boy, who has the power here? And he just smiled, the biggest smile. That that makes it funny for him. Yeah, so they absolutely have much more opportunity to manipulate, and they surely do. And I just have a lot of fun watching it. (laughs) And and so I guess your question, too, was about um, uh, if it hurts them or not. Um, Well, I think that in some ways, in a lot of ways, we do disempower children with the labels. And on the other hand, I think they actually are a help in that um, when a child has a label, then the school is willing to um, change things in in their learning. And in my point of view, that should really be available for every kid. So if if I need a little bit more time taking a test and I have a label, I get a little bit more time taking a test. Or if I need to use a calculator, then I'm allowed to use a calculator, but only if I have a label will they give me accommodation. And I would love to see a school where, you know, everyone has what they require to empower them to do what they can do in school, the best that they can do in school. So I do see advantages to it. Unfortunately, I also see a lot of disempowering with those labels. Um, Are you involved with the work that Gary is doing with the Access School at all? Um, I I have done some work, not with the newest work, but I actually had um, a the Access for Knowledge Learning Center for a few years, which was um, a tutoring center where I used the tools of access in the tutoring I did with kids. So I would run their bars for um, 10 to 15 minutes at least per session, and then we would work on their different subject areas, and I would um, teach them how to use the tools. Um, and that's another manipulation, you know. What would it take for me to um, pull the answer out of the teacher's head? What can, what can I know that the teacher knows? And asking questions to bring awareness to um, what they do know um, and they thought that they didn't know. Right. So how how do you get people, like do you have parents who are, like, you can't know that, or you can't teach my kid to cheat, or, like, you know, with those points of view, how do you have that? Um, I can't say that those were things I shared with parents. <laughs> but the parents those didn't tools. share them with the kids? Did the parents what? The, the parents didn't, didn't the share parents. them with the kids? No, I mean, when I was working with the kids, I, I was um, dealing with the kids and giving them those tools. So if I, if I talk to parents, um, 
sometimes, yeah, there there is some resistance, I would say, to um, doing things that might be perceived as um, the kid didn't do the work or they're cheating. Um, but most of the time, I was dealing with kids with these tools, and and they're they're willing to use whatever, you know, because because a lot of the kids I worked with. Um, kind of saw the insanity of school and um, didn't really understand why they had to do a lot of things that they had to do, and that was part of what was making it difficult for them. So when I talked to them about, okay, so what can you do to make this easier for you, and would you be willing to know what you know, and do what you have to do for the system that you're living with. And just acknowledging what they know changed the way that they were willing to be with school. Right. And that's kind of the thing. Like, within access consciousness, I think that sometimes people have this idea that it's about you know, being perfect or getting everything right. And it's really just about functioning better with what we're given here. And it's about creating a reality beyond it. But really, like, I feel like I'm most creating a reality beyond it when I'm just, like, just going with the flow and, like, taking what I'm given and just using it to the best of my abilities. But it's it's not, I, I just feel like sometimes people think that it's just this big, grandiose dream and it and it will be once we like acknowledge what is and what actually the way the world is functioning and then learn to use that so by like taking ideas out of the teacher's heads and like not just you know like I like I don't have any point of view really about homeschooling but you know sometimes like the school system is not necessarily bad like some people just buy that it's bad um, it's probably not working the best to empower kids, but then there's teachers like you out there that are, and it's just sure. really a matter of being really honest about like, okay, so this is what we've got now. Like, how can we manipulate it to make it work for us? Exactly. Yeah. And I like what you said about kind of going with the flow. And I, I think that's what kids do a lot naturally that they, are going with the flow and following the energy of what they sense and perceive. And sometimes that means that they're not doing something that they maybe got for homework or they they were told to do. Uh, I'm working with a, a boy now. He's a senior in high school, and he had some homework over the summer um, because he was going to be in some honors classes, and he told his mother, I'm not doing the homework, summer's not for homework. So he didn't do the homework, and it turned out that one of the classes that he had signed up for got canceled because there weren't enough kids enrolled. So he would have done that work for nothing. You know, it wouldn't have been expected. And then the other class, he said, I just stayed up late one night and did the work. So he he knew you know, he might not have cognitively known that, but somewhere in his reality he knew it was necessary to do that work. And, and you know, the, the more we work together, the more he's becoming aware of how he does 
just kind of follow the energy, and that's why things are turning out really well a lot of times, even though he thinks, you know, that he didn't do what he was supposed to do. Right. My sister, my sister, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. That's fine. Um, My sister wanted to get into architecture school, and I forget exactly how the story goes, but one of the prerequisites was having grade 12 physics, and she didn't have grade 12 physics, so she was going to have to do it via correspondence. And she was like, that does not work for me. And she was like, ugh. So anyways, they actually went, when she went back to double check up on it, they had for the first time ever eliminated the need for grade 12 <laughs> physics as a prerequisite for the wow. program that she was looking for. I was like, damn, that's really powerful. Good job, Carly. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So. I, I was going to say, I know this kid who's been labeled with Asperger's. Uh, I don't know if I'm saying it right, but he is so aware, but he's also um, deep into Christianity, so he won't allow his awareness, sort of, because it's like taboo or something. I'm not sure what his family beliefs are but I could just see how aware he is and he has to shut it off mm. yeah yeah and and what I found um, I had a couple boys the other day that were um, kind of torturing me with some of their behavior and um, you know I think um, what ended up happening was I I manipulated them and I said guys I can't have this and and then they started saying well we have ADD and I said um I said well this is really what I said I said well that's bull crap I said um because (laughs) you guys are amazing and you're aware and you're creative and so and and they started to get defensive I said well isn't all that true that you're really creative and you're amazing and all this and it just changed everything for them. <laughs> and since then, I've had no problem with them at all. And um, I think just acknowledging for them, because they have been disempowered, that this is a problem, this is wrong, and we can't control it. And when I, you know, put it right out there, like, um, you know, this is bullcrap, which, you know, people could say, well, that's not the right thing to say. That's not... not a nice thing to say to them. And and that's where that allowance of what if there's no right or wrong comes in because that, me saying that, changed so much for all of us. Well, you you and, cut the shit. I cut <laughs> by the you, shit. By talking yeah. about bullcrap, you cut the shit. Yeah. And so for, for this boy with Asperger's, you know, even just uh, maybe asking him some questions um, may just create create a little awareness for him that he's willing to have, and and if you're willing to not have a point of view either about whether he's willing to receive his awareness or not because of his religion or just not just making that okay too. Okay. Yeah, that that creates the space for him to actually possibly choose it at some point to have the awareness. Okay. Well, that's awesome. 
What a cool space. Um, we're pr- pretty much getting to the end of our hour, but um, Christine, what classes and telecalls and, and what are you up to as an access facilitator if people would like more? Um, well, if you're in New York City this weekend, I'm going to be at the New Life Expo, which is a three-day expo, which is a biggie. Oh, cool. Where is that? So Help. Come, come visit if you... Uh, don't know anything about the bars and you want to have your bars run or your child's bars run. Um, and um, I'm, I've been really busy teaching and coaching and, um, and I'm looking at the possibility of having a telecall on the joy of teaching very soon. Um, but they can find me at um, the accessconsciousness.com website. I'm on there as a facilitator, and um, I do bars classes on a regular basis and private sessions also over the phone and Skype. So, uh, yeah, and I especially love to work with kids. Okay, cool. Well, thank you so much for being on the call today. Well, thanks for inviting me, Julia. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's awesome. I have a lot of people that I'm looking forward to to sending this call to because I, I get a lot of questions in these areas and especially a lot of questions about, you know, kids who have special powers. And, and mm. so I think that this is really, really going to be helpful in that area. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And thank I you like for everyone contribute. joining us. Yeah, you really did. Um, so um, next week I'm going to be at the seven day in Costa Rica. So um, my guest, is actually going to be the lovely Rebecca um, Boswell, who is also a New Yorker. She's from Albany. And um, I'm looking forward to that show. So we will talk to you all next week on a totally different reality. So thank you, Christine. You're welcome. Thank you, Julia. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.